Selective autonomic activation may play an important role in treating psychiatric disorders in the future. What is it, and how do you do it? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Leslie Lent, author of You Can Think Like a Psychiatrist, your host, and with me today is David Chanahoff Khalsa. He is a director of the Research Group for Mind-Body Dynamics at the Institute for Nonlinear Science at UC San Diego and the president of the Khalsa Foundation for Medical Science in Del Mar, California. Welcome to ReachMD. Thank you, Leslie. I'm happy to be here. David, let's start off with the basics. Briefly review what the autonomic system is and does for us. The autonomic nervous system really is the housekeeping nervous system. It helps keep everything going. Briefly, there are two branches or divisions. One's called the sympathetic nervous system, and that helps prepare for increased levels of activity and the fight-or-flight response, which includes an increase in heart rate, blood pressure, cardiac output, a diversion of blood flow from the skin and splenic vessels to those supplying skeletal muscles, increased pupil size, etc., and changes in metabolism that utilize fat and glycogen. The other nervous system, our parasympathetic nervous system, leads to rest, conservation, and restoration of energy, and thus to a reduction in heart rate, blood pressure, and the facilitation of digestive processes and elimination. Basically, it's the nervous system that's active when we're resting and healing, when our body's going through healing processes. Now, you talk about selective autonomic activation. What is that? It's actually it's selective unilateral autonomic activation. The sympathetic nervous system has two branches, one on each side of the body, as does the parasympathetic nervous system. And normally when we think of the parasympathetic nervous system, we're thinking about the vagus nerve. So there's a vagus on each side and a sympathetic trunk on each side, and most organs and most tissues are innervated by both. But what modern medicine has failed to compute or really understand in any significant way is that the sympathetic nervous system on one half of the body dominates and simultaneously on the opposite side, the parasympathetic nervous system is dominating and these switch back and forth. So at any one time we have a right sympathetic dominance and a left parasympathetic dominance or conversely, a left sympathetic dominance and right parasympathetic dominance. And this affects all of the organs in the body that especially have bilateral structure, including our brain. The best way really to get a handle on it is something that's called the nasal cycle. It's really a marker for lateralized autonomic activity. We all know that when we have a cold, and we attempt to blow our nose, one side is really completely congested. Or we've all had that experience. Yes, right now, and then actually. <laughs> a few hours later, it would probably be the other side that's completely congested. And we're sort of baffled. Well, why does this happen? Sometimes we're laying down in bed and we notice that the lower nostril, so to speak, is the one that's congested. And we always assume, well, that's gravity mm-hmm. allowing mucus to drain from one sinus to the lower sinus. And actually, that sounds logical. It is logical, but it's not accurate. What we really have is on the fifth intercostal space, right by the, the armpit, there's an autonomic reflex point. And you can mimic that pressure in a horizontal posture by sitting vertical and pressing on it as well. This is something yogis discovered ages ago. So this is one of the ways of selectively activating half of the autonomic nervous system or selectively activating 
the autonomic nervous system for a preferred response and effect. So the nasal cycle, it's really it's a marker for how, if you're able to breathe in your right nostril, that means you have, of course, greater airflow, which means that the blood vessels are more constricted on that side. So that's the result of greater sympathetic tone on the right side of the body. Conversely, on the left side of the body, you'd have parasympathetic dominance, which means vasodilatation and congested turbinate or congested nostril. The nasal cycle is a natural endogenous rhythm that's going 24 hours a day, but rarely does anyone ever notice this right versus left effect of congestion and decongestion. But the unique thing about it, Leslie, is that the two hemispheres of our brain are also alternating in dominance in phase with the nasal cycle. So the nasal cycle is actually a marker in the periphery, and it tells us about both sides of the body, but it also tells us something very unique about the two sides of the brain. Very few people know, even though it's been published now for 25 years, and I did this work along with other colleagues when I was at the Salk Institute in 1983. The work we did was at UCSD at that time. We showed that if somebody is right nostril dominant, that their left hemisphere dominates. And when their left nostril dominant, that their right hemisphere dominates. And the way that that works is that if you have right sympathetic dominance on the right side of the body, you'll have it also in the right hemisphere, which means vasoconstriction of the blood vessels in the right brain. And therefore, the left brain is getting parasympathetic or greater blood flow. So you have right nostril, left hemisphere patterns of dominance. It's contralateral or you have left nostril dominance and right hemisphere dominance. This happens throughout the entire day and through the night, and it's coupled to REM sleep rhythms. We've published all of this in very prestigious peer-reviewed journals. And some of it's come out. Actually, I've most recently published a new book entitled Psychophysiological States, the Altradian Dynamics of Mind-Body Interactions. It's published by Academic Press in a very prestigious series called the International Review of Neurobiology. So that just came out at the beginning of this year. So this work is just now starting to capture a lot more attention because everybody really should understand that what their nasal cycle reflects or its significance and that the two hemispheres of their brain alternate in dominance because all of our physiological and all of our psychological functions have this ultradian rhythm of increased levels and decreased levels. Everything has a rhythm in life, not just heart rate and physiological events but it could be our cognitive skills. It could be our verbal skills, our spatial skills, different types of emotions and so forth. All of the psychiatric disorders will have severities or lesser severity of symptomatology and so forth. If you're just joining our discussion, you're listening to ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt, your host, and with me today is David Shanahoff Khalsa, the author of Kundalini Yoga Meditation, Techniques Specific for Psychiatric Disorders, Couples Therapy, and Personal Growth. We are discussing selective unilateral autonomic activation. Now, David, other than palpating this spot in the fifth intercostal space, how else can we accomplish this unilateral activation? Well, actually, the most powerful method is something called unilateral forced nostril breathing. You know, this nasal cycle cerebral rhythm was also discovered by yogis in ancient times, and that's actually where I got the clue to do these studies 
several decades ago. So if you force breathe through one nostril, let's say you force breathe through the right nostril, you'll activate sympathetic tone on the right side of the body and stimulate the left cerebral hemisphere. And conversely, if you force breathe through the left nostril, you'll stimulate the right hemisphere. And so unilateral forced nostril breathing, which is rather ironic that we don't know anything about it, even though the nose is so prominent on our face, it's really, it's a tool to selectively activate half of our autonomic nervous system, one hemisphere of the brain. It can affect all of the uh, various psychological functions that we find interesting in our life. And it's an exercise. It's a tool to augment brain function. It's a brain exercise in reality. So walk us through, how do you actually do it? You plug one nostril and start force breathing through the other. You can either be congested in one nostril and breathe through that nostril, or you can breathe through the one that's already the patent or more dominant nostril. It doesn't matter. And there's a wide variety of patterns that yogis discovered that are pertinent to different disorders, different conditions, and for different purposes. How long do you have to do it for? It depends on the effects that you want and your capacity. For example, I know you're aware of my work with treating obsessive-compulsive disorders. Yes. And in 1975, when I was training with Kundalini Yoga, I was taught a technique that yogis discovered thousands of years ago, a left nostril breathing technique that was specific for treating OCD, obsessive-compulsive disorders. At the time, I didn't even know what the disorder was, but I'd learned this technique. And when the technique is perfected, somebody closes off the right nostril, they slowly breathe through the left nostril and hold the breath, then slowly exhale through the left nostril and hold the breath out. And when it's perfected, they slowly inhale over 15 seconds, hold the breath for 15 seconds, slowly exhale for 15 seconds, and hold the breath out for 15 seconds and do that for 31 minutes. So it's 31 times of that pattern in 31 minutes. So they're breathing at one breath per minute. And this puts somebody through a huge transformation, not only in how their central nervous system works, but their psyche. Their psyche is completely reconstructed and they eliminate the disorder. Now, it sounds like it's near impossible feat. And almost no one could sit down and do it without substantial training to begin with. So there's a whole protocol that I've developed, an 11-part protocol that helps enable somebody to do this, it helps them develop the skills to do it, and it helps give them a great deal of relief. So even by the time they get to this left nostril breathing technique, they've had a tremendous or almost complete, if not a complete relief of symptoms, at least for a period of time. So that's just one of the sort of psychiatric disorders that can be treated with selective unilateral autonomic activation. There are patterns that are just very general patterns where somebody inhales through the left, exhales through the right, inhales through the right, exhales through the left. That's a very common technique called alternate nostril breathing. But there's techniques where people are inhaling through the left, holding their breath for a long period of time, and then slowly exhaling through the right, and again approaching, if not achieving, one breath per minute again with that pattern. And then there's other parts that go with it. I mean, with the eyes and sounds and hand postures and so forth. Kundalini yoga is really a very complex system. It's the ancient system before it was broken down into different branches that we now are more commonly aware of, like Hatha yoga and so forth. Mm -hmm. 
Now, many of our listeners, David, are primary care physicians where this says quite foreign to them. If they're interested in learning more about it or their patients are interested, where should they turn? Well, obviously, I'd like to see people purchase my book because it's got 64 different meditation techniques in it. But they can go to anywhere that Kundalini Yoga, as taught by Yogi Bhajan. He was the yogi that came from India in 1969, and he brought all this out that was kept secret for thousands of years. Well, thank you for sharing it with us today. My pleasure. We've been discussing the practical utility of selective unilateral autonomic activation with our guest, David Shanahoff Khalsa. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. We welcome your questions and comments, so please visit us at ReachMD.com. Our new on-demand and podcast features will allow you to access our entire program library. Thank you for listening.